up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. I will, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 121, a psalm we've quoted often. Many of you have heard that psalm. If you haven't, you're going to be blessed today because we have a godly man explaining this to us, taking us through it. We're going to talk about shepherds and sheep, good shepherds, bad shepherds. What is God doing and teaching in Psalm 121? How does God offer hope? How does God shepherd us? And it's Theology Thursday, and we have Dr. Greg Greg Stice with us, professor of New Testament, Bob Jones University. It's such an honor to have him here, and we are pumped. I'm Stu Epperson, in for my friend Steve Noble. We're looking front and center at Psalm 121, and we're also reminding everyone we're coming to the end of our big push for the Bible League. If you want to call 800-YES-WORD and donate a Bible, five bucks takes a Bible to someone who has no Bible overseas in countries where they are there are what's called bibleless believers these are believers that the bible league has identified that don't have bibles please continue to support and give to the bible league 800 yes word wrd is the number to call for that thank you to the bible league for being partners with us here on the steve noble show on the truth network we're so honored for all the stations that are brave enough to carry this show and we're so honored to have Dr. Greg Stice with us in Bob Jones University. The seminary is a great partner on Theology Thursdays. Dr. Stice, we are walking in the pastures with a shepherd on a, a psalm that you yourself have become f- quite familiar with lately. This is, a, this is a real moving, powerful song of ascent. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, good to be here with you, uh, Stu. Thanks so much for having me on. Hey, thank you for being on, and it's always fun to to sit at the feet of a of a man of God who loves God's Word, who teaches God's Word. Before we jump into this psalm that many of us has, have quoted very often, the, the Maker of heaven and earth, He does not slumber or sleep. The Lord is my keeper; He preserves us. It's just a it's a it's a rich psalm, eight verses right here. I want to ask you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about what you do, your story, and how you ended up as the professor of New Testament, as a professor of New Testament at Bob Jones University. We'd love to hear a little of your testimony before we uh, jump in here. A lot of folks are like, who are these professors that teach the Bible? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, Well, uh, really, my heart is primarily in pastoral ministry. I uh, took a sabbatical uh, to go to Southeastern to finish up my doctoral work uh, several years ago and uh, really intended just to continue to pastor. And uh, the seminary uh, needed some other people to come down, especially those who had been in some other places, to uh, help bring some fresh perspectives uh, in, in training young men and, and women and so forth. And so uh, I 
came back to my church for about two and a half years and then resigned to come down to teach. And then uh, in looking for a church, and about a year and a half later after we came uh, to join the faculty, I accidentally became the pastor of another church uh, down here where uh, it started out with a very few people, and the Lord led us to revitalize this ministry. And now we're in our second building and uh, watching uh, as the Lord shepherds his flock here, and we are sort of along for the ride. And it's been just a wonderful thing to see that. So uh, my wife and I uh, live uh, close to Greenville and Traveler's Rest area, and uh, we've got five kids, and they're all uh, three, three of the girls are married already, and two of them, we're trying to launch them in that direction. But uh, it's a busy life, but we're really grateful for what God's been doing. That is so cool. Can we give a shout-out for the church? Anyone listening uh, wanders through Greenville, wants to wheel in and hear some, hear some flame throwing from the pulpit? Uh, yes, we'd love to have you. Uh, Gateway Baptist Church and Traveler's Rest, uh, South Carolina. And uh, we, uh, we now inherit the, uh, or we've inherited the uh, old Ebenezer School Building, and we've, uh, we're planning to build a, a sanctuary here. But for right now, we're just uh, trying to fit in here and uh, do what God wants us to do with the facility he's provided. But we're really excited about the future here. That's fantastic. Well, we, listen, it's Pastors Appreciation Month. So let me say to you, thank you for your faithfulness there and for your faithfulness to pour in to other pastors, current pastors, and future pastors as you as you steward that role as, a, as, a, as one of their professors and one of their disciplers as a seminary professor at Bob Jones University. And so happy Pastors Appreciation to you, Pastor Stikes, and thank you for being on and talking about this wonderful psalm, which really, isn't there a real sense to which... And it's interesting. I was at a, I was at lunch today with a man of God who's. We were talking about, you know, stories, horror stories of being burned in the ministry, and how yeah. easy is it as we get into this great psalm on shepherding? And I want you to take us through all those nuances. And everyone listening, if you have a question about shepherd shepherding, any way, shape, or form, Psalm one twenty one has hit your heart. I'm sure we'll we'll probably be you know mirroring a little bit Psalm twenty three and other things like. John 10, the, the passage on the great shepherd. So, you know, this will all come out today on this on today's program. But I was going to ask you, Doc, about the over-shepherd. How easy is it, as you think about horror stories in the church, you think about accountability or elder boards gone rogue, deacons gone rogue, or, you know, pastors just by fiat saying, no, you're out of the church in, in, in no process, no discipleship, just kind of making potentially rogue decisions you've got on the negative side you know sin and scandal that's you know that's happened over the years and and other things like that talk about the connection to the great shepherd and how important that is well yeah and that idea of accountability and being 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 under authority and how we we tend to be a people that you know it just didn't end in the old testament right the children of israel who wandered forever the wilderness We, we tend to be a people who don't want to be under authority yeah, well, it's interesting you bring that up, and I, I think we all know uh, of those horror stories. I uh, am just grateful that uh, in about 30 years of pastoral ministry, I don't have a really bad horror story. There's always things you're struggling with in ministry, and I, I hope that some of these really bad instances are, are fewer than we think. But it, it's, you brought up a, a really, really good point, because 
Uh, pastors so often are focused on trying to help shepherd their people and trying to get them to look at what God is doing. Hey, it's Steve. You want to call in with a horror story? You're welcome to. You want to call in and tell us that you don't need a shepherd. Why do you need a pastor? Why do you need an authority in your life? If you're a believer, it's, you know, you and two other believers in a coffee shop. Hey, two or two or three are gathered together, right? Quoting Matthew 18 out of context. But maybe that's your thing. And you don't think you should be under a pastor or under any kind of accountability. We're talking about how important that is. But listen, we'd love to hear the other side of that. If you have issues with that, maybe you've been like a gentleman and I spoke with earlier. He knows of people who have left the church. They had such a bad experience. One guy uh, told him that the church told his wife to divorce him. You know, things like that. And he says, I haven't been back to church since. Now, we don't know the particulars about that church, and we don't know the particulars about how and even if he was shepherded. It may have been a false shepherd, a false prophet. But we're talking about shepherds front and center because the Lord is our shepherd, and I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 121 is our star passage of Scripture and our special guest who we kind of cut you off there, sir, as you were waxing eloquent, and we're so sorry for that as we hit or, enter that break, Dr. Greg, Greg Stikes, the professor of New Testament at Bob Jones uh, University Seminary, is on the air with us. Hey, finish your sentence about that. And just You were talking about, you know, we've, we've got some good ones and some bad ones, and but God's, uh, the church of the living God is still his plan A. Yeah, I was... Um Actually, saying that I hope some of those uh, bad experiences that pastors have and that people have are fewer and far between. We all know those horror stories. Um, but one, one thing you said that that I thought was really, really good. I don't think people think about this as much. Is that uh, you know shepherds themselves need to be shepherded, and uh, sometimes you have a shepherd that is abusing the sheep. Let's say, like you said, we don't know all the story. And Ezekiel thirty-four talks about that, uh, about how they're not really following what the the scripture says about shepherding and so they need more discipleship for shepherding but also you know shepherds get discouraged and have to be reminded that the lord is shepherding them and so often people come to pastors with problems and they give them uh you know great pastoral advice but then their pastors themselves go through uh, and I'll tell you from experience that one of the hardest things to do is just remember, you know what, I, if somebody were coming to me with this problem, this is what I would say. It's, it's hard sometimes to self-counsel like that, uh, but we need other shepherds to walk along with and, and certainly to keep pointing yeah. us to the chief shepherd uh, who is always there for us and never leaves us. Even though we don't understand what he's doing all the time, uh, we know that he is good and that he loves us. And uh, certainly that's affirmed uh, in the psalm we were talking about. Well, and it's so encouraging to hear that coming from a, a seminary professor who holds true to God's Word and God's view of ecclesiology and, and the, the, the vital nature of the local church. And so thank you for sharing that. Thank you. And we're so grateful for all the seminaries that hold true to the Word. And the, the Word is, if we don't have that, what do we have Dr. Stikes, I want to get into this. And by the way, if you want to phone in and ask a question about the church, maybe about the shepherding issue, maybe you struggle with the church itself and you want to ask, you know, go deeper. What's the basis for that? We'd love to hear from you at 866-34-TRUTH, 
888-346-7884. Dr. Stikes, real quick, this psalm. I mean, let's just jump in. This is, a, a, I guess, a psalm or a song of a sense. Can you get into this? I mean, right out of the gate, you have a little bit of controversy because people, the, the, the theological understanding of this first line about hills, can you get into that a little bit and why? But first give us a background, a backdrop for this psalm and why it's so important in the canon of Scripture. Well, uh, you know, you mentioned it being a song of ascent, and there are a lot of questions around the titles of the psalms. Uh, it, it may be that the psalm was collected together even after the exile, uh, before the psalms were finally canonized. Uh, in other words, the final canon was formed for them. But some, some, uh, most people believe that when it says psalm of ascent, this is uh, the, the kind of songs they would sing on their journey coming to Jerusalem to go to the temple to worship and, and so forth. And uh, if, if that's true, then when you read them as if you're on a journey somewhere uh, going to worship the Lord, there are certain things in the psalms that actually jump out at you. But the, the opening line where it says, I lift my eyes to the hills, uh, we, I think most of us, if we have it memorized, we memorize it in the King James, which says, From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord that made heaven and earth. And, uh, you know, we think, oh, they're, he's, they're getting help from the hills. But the, the controversy there is that uh, it doesn't really say necessarily that the, the hills are giving help. Another way to read this, in our in a lot of our translations do it this way, is, is uh, you know, I lift my eyes to the hills, which is, could be a foreboding thing. You know, enemies would hide in the hills. Uh, the hills were sometimes associated with evil. And so the psalmist says, well, where is my help going to come from? But however you take that opening, the answer is still the same. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And if you have a Lord who is powerful enough to each actually be the maker of those hills, the maker of heaven and earth, there's nothing that we can possibly bring before him that is too difficult for him. Uh, it, our, our problems seem very tiny and, and almost laughable sometimes at uh, the comparison with, with our problems and his sheer power. Mm-hmm. So right away, we know we're dealing with a shepherd who can meet every single need we might ever bring before him. Well, and I want to get into that with you because, you know, honestly— Everything comes down to, I think it was the late A.W. Tozier said, that everything comes down to your view of God. You have a low view of God, you're going to have big, big problems, you know. And But the higher your view of God, the the, the smaller your problems, the, the things of this earth truly do grow, you know, more strangely dim. What, what about this psalm takes us there? About all these psalms, but this psalm in particular... Uh, take, take, be, take us to who this God is, will you? Show us, talk yeah, to our I, listeners I, about I, the grandness of our God. I love that you quote a toaster. A lot of people quote him where he says, the most important thing in, about you is, is what, you think, what comes in your mind when you think about God. And uh, the knowledge of the Holy, uh, which the first two little chapters of that book are worth the whole book. Uh, but his, his toaster wasn't getting at what we think you know, the propositions of God, the theological axioms of God. His, if you read that chapter, his focus is on what we perceive God to be like. He says we, we move by a secret law of the soul toward our mental image of God. And what I think this psalm does, which, which we don't often think of it, is I think it's trying to depict God uh, as a shepherd. If somebody says the shepherd psalm, they, always, they automatically think of Psalm 23. But I think we have a pasture psalm here, and if you keep re- if you read through it and look, you see the word keep so often. 
And the word keep in Hebrew can mean a lot of different things in a lot of different contexts, but it is also used in the Old Testament uh, for keeping sheep, not in feeding them. That's the normal word for doing something with sheep, is that you make sure the sheep are fed. But there's also the word keep, which is guarding them. And what the psalm is trying to bring to mind, I think, is the fact that we have a shepherd who continually guards us no matter what time it is, no matter what time of day, no matter what time of night, no matter where we go, he says, the sun won't smite you die day, the moon by night, uh, and and then and at the end, he, he keeps your soul and he keeps it forever. And what seems to be happening here is that you have this constant governing of the shepherd, the leading, wow. the guiding, the protecting, so that no matter what happens, we know he is tending us with, with mm. gentle, loving care. Okay, we got to take a break. How much does a good shepherd love you? What has he got in store for you? Hey. So who is the good shepherd, and how has God shepherded us? Why is this idea, this concept, this, this image of shepherd used all throughout Scripture? What a great question. What a great topic. Today, I'm Stu Epperson. Today on Steve Noble's show, filling in for my buddy Steve, I've got... Dr. Greg Stikes, I got a couple of callers on the line. We're talking about the Great Shepherd, and we're talking about Psalm 121, and we're just kind of diving in. And Dr. Stikes, it's good to have you with us for the conversation. We have a couple of folks that want to jump in here and talk to us as well. We've got uh, Billy calling from Charlotte, the new 105.7 FM over there. Uh, Billy, uh, jump on in here. We're on, you're on with Dr. Greg Stikes on Theology Thursday from Bob Jones University. Uh, we're back on the air, and let's see if Billy's there. Billy, are you there? we got a question for our special guest, uh, Dr. Greg Stikes of Bob Jones University. Billy, go ahead. Okay. Billy? Yes, sir. Hey, yeah, jump on in here, in here with your question. I'm sorry, we got it all queued up. Okay, how do I know that God loves me? Great question. Dr. Stikes. And uh, Romans chapter 5 says that he did this. Uh, well, we were still sinners uh, without having any knowledge of anything we would ever do that's good for him. Uh, he gave his life for us so that he could rescue us from this world, and that hope is held out to anybody who will believe in him. That is the best and highest theological answer and uh, real uh, practical answer to that question. And he also doesn't just uh, love us uh, as, as if he's shouting his love down, down from the clouds. He actually came down and became one of us in order to represent us and die for us as a human being and suffer just like we would suffer. And so when he shepherds us, he knows exactly what, it, what shepherding is needed uh, to uh, take us through uh, anything that we go through in life. And we're waiting for the day when every uh, tear and every sorrow is removed, and we are dwelling with the Good Shepherd forever on the new earth. And that's our greatest hope. I appreciate it. Yeah, Bill, Billy, I love your question. I'm so glad you called in today. Tell, t- can you? I'd love to find out a little bit behind the question. What 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 is on your heart to 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 prompt that question? Well, I read the Bible. I was just wondering uh, 
what kind of motivation do I need to have to understand the Bible? What kind of motivation? Uh, you know, I think the, the simplest answer to that is if, if you really want to know uh, the Word of God, then you need to read the Bible with faith and say, okay, I'm going to obey what the Scripture says. Uh, the Bible doesn't talk about the gospel, uh, which is faith in the death of Christ for our sins and his resurrection, just in terms of you know believing the gospel. It also talks about it in terms of obeying the gospel. In other words, we, we don't just add the gospel to everything else going on in our lives and think it's going to make it better. We, we give up everything. We, we abandon everything, and we say, you know, I just want to follow the Lord. And uh, God says in his word, uh, you will seek me and know me when you seek for me with all your heart. And if that is uh, your, uh, your, your chief desire, God's not trying to hide himself uh, from anybody. And uh, he uh, will reveal himself to you in the scripture as you continue to seek. And I pray that you would really do that. You know, Doctor Stikes. You know, to, to Billy's question, we're talking about shepherding. I mean, what other what other what other belief system does God does the God the the, the deity come to us as a loving, kind shepherd? This is so. So there's a relationship here. There's a there's something tugging on Billy's heart to call a radio show out of the blue and kind of lay his heart out there, asking these questions. Because there's a God that's pursuing him, that loves him, that's prompting him. And can you talk about that, Dr. Stikes? This is a God who came to us in the in the form of the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ. John 10, I am the Good Shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. They follow me. They know they are mine. And, and no one can take them out of my hands. Can you talk about this, the incarnation of this in Christ and how how brilliant this is to everything? Like, we, he doesn't just leave us, okay, here, you know, here. Here, take this pill and call me in the morning. He is with us. Yes, that's exactly right. And I, I think if you're going to think about this in terms of shepherding, uh, you know, it's interesting in the in the West here in the, in the United States, if you go see the shepherding happening, uh, we do a lot of driving sheep. It, it's very industrial. Uh, it's, it's very clean and neat, and it's uh, functional. But in the, in the East, when, you know, the shepherding is talked about in Scripture, it's relational. Uh, they don't drive sheep. They lead sheep. They call, and the sheep follow the shepherd. And what I would also encourage for Billy here is that I think he needs to find um, a shepherd somewhere who's going to lead him to the great shepherd. Uh, and, and that's the thing. Every one of us who knows Jesus Christ, there was somebody involved in giving us the gospel whether they prepared literature, and we, some people just happen to find that and they read it, or somebody leads them uh, to Christ by explaining the gospel. There's a person always involved, and after that, there's a relationship with other people, and all we are are people being led by the Great Shepherd who are trying to help other people be led by the Great Shepherd. Wow. And so uh, we're all depending upon him. And I would really encourage you, uh, Billy, if you're listening still, uh, to find a church that shares the gospel of Jesus Christ and find a, some loving person who would say, hey, I'm following the great shepherd, come follow with me. Mm. And that is one of the things that God has given us as a great blessing so that we can really know how to follow him. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, Billy, God bless you, man. You got, you know, God is a great shepherd, and but He has under shepherds that are that are these wonderful pastors and leaders, and then they have under shepherds that, you know. So we're all to be discipling, and hey, Billy, God's going to use you to shepherd some people and to disciple some people, right? Right, Doctor Stikes. I mean, in a sense, we're shepherding our homes, you know, as parents, shepherding in our families. Correct. I mean, this is this is a process of discipleship of, of being fishers of men. We, the the model in the New Testament is you find somebody else and you shepherd that person with the idea that they're going to shepherd somebody else. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. But there, there's a period of growth and a period of discipleship uh, that, that goes on, and and then and part of that is finding somebody else to uh, disciple. And uh, as as Paul said to Timothy, you take what I have told you, you find other faithful men who can teach others also. And we see this chain going again and again and again from faith to faith uh, throughout history. And, and here we are. And we have to continue this so that it doesn't just stop in our generation. Mm. What a good word. Billy, thanks for calling. God bless you, man. I, I love your questions. And we're going we're gonna to take another call. We're going to go to Clay in the Triangle area listening to us. AM 1030, 105.7 FM, 105.5 Durham. The new 106.5 Wake Forest all across the triangle. Clay, thanks for calling in. And you got we are you got uh, Dr. Greg Stikes, Bob Jones uh, University Seminary is with us, professor of New Testament there. It's Theology Thursdays, and he's in the hot seat. And Clay, I know you got a great comment or question. Jump on in, my friend. Woo! Lord have mercy, brother Sue and brother Greg. It is nice to hear y'all sh- just really sharpen the knives on this and just really cut into a topic that really needs to be hit upon. It's nice to hear um, that the caller before asked a question like that. How do how does he know God loves him? I think of, but the first thing I think of is what the study that we're doing at Bible Study Fellowship this year, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And, and this was touched on in the message earlier. Who is the He? It is God the Father. And, of course, He is the, you know, oh, the main shepherd that tends to His sheep. Um, I was listening to Brother Greg talk on this a little bit earlier, and I was looking at it. But it's not only tending, it's he, and, and, and Brother Greg touched on this, He guards. But not only that, He feeds, and He just, I mean, think about this. There are so many words, um, even when one little sheep gets lost, the shepherd goes after that one and knows that the other 99 will be what they are. Think about this, that what Brother Billy just called in and asked about. I'm, all I can do is think about several passages of Scripture. and um, In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 29, it says that he foreknew. God the Father foreknew that this was called was going to come. And so right after that, it says predestined and called and chosen. So this is, this is the thing that there are people like Brother Stu, Brother, Brother Greg, myself, everybody else on um, you know, Church Ready, which I give thanks to the Lord for. Um, this is a calling. This is a choosing that has happened predestined from before. Okay, well, and we can't go deep on that right out of a break here, but I'm glad you called in, Clay. Jump, drop in some scriptures. We'll let Dr. Stikes respond. We'll get more into what the Good Shepherd does as he leads us as our keeper when we come back right here. I'm Stu Everson in for Steve Noble. Hang on. Don't touch that dial. 
probably not as many sheep around today, maybe these parts where you're listening, as there were in the day of Christ, where they depended on sheep for all kinds of purposes, for clothing, for wool, for food, for the the milk and that would create the cheese and all kinds of things. But there is a psalm. There are a lot of psalms about sheep and shepherding, but this one in particular is one we're talking about this hour, all hour long. Our special guest to talk about it on this Theology Thursday is Dr. Greg Stikes, professor of New Testament at Bob Jones University and the seminary there. It's just an honor to have him on. It's been a great visit all hour long. Dr. Stikes, we got callers calling in. We got all kinds of things going on. We got shepherding gone wrong and a foul. We talked about a little bit earlier and some horror stories, but we've got this great beautiful picture of God. Like if we can get connected to the good shepherd, to the God who is our shepherd, if we could lift our eyes to see him, our help coming from him, the maker of heaven and earth. Can you take us through this a little bit more as we wind up the show today and why this is so important and and help, help us lift our eyes up, would you, sir? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, just looking at some of the highlights of this psalm, uh, every time it mentions the Lord as the keeper, uh, this is, keep in mind, a very loving, powerful shepherd who created heaven and earth. And when it says, uh, he will not let your foot be moved, in verse 3, that doesn't mean that uh, nothing will ever trouble us, or, you know, nothing will ever weigh down upon us, you know, as a, as a shepherd of a, of a, of a church, you're walking through trials with people all of the time. And, you know, as Psalm 23 says, there's a valley of the shadow of death, and that's not just when people die. Uh, that's a very a dark place that people get into. And it's still, though, in that valley, it says, I will not fear evil because I know you are with me. And the idea of the foot being moved is, is being moved out of place. In other words, uh, not not having a shepherd anymore or letting a shepherd letting something letting letting a person uh be destroyed and and the lord will lead all of his sheep to glory uh to be with him and the the thing though that really stands out i think and the the caller before him was talking about the fact that the shepherd feeds as well and that's true but the emphasis in this psalm if if psalm 23 emphasizes the feeding Psalm 121 really emphasizes the keeping and the protection. And so this is why he says, the Lord is your keeper. Uh, The sun will not strike you. The moon will not strike you, which is really just saying that no matter what time of day or night or whatever kind of evil is there, it will not get to you. And he says, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Jesus said, that uh, the the shepherd leads the sheep in and out and find and to find pasture, which means that when we're being led into the fold and we feel safe and secure, the shepherd is leading us. We don't often think about that because things are going well, uh, but when we're out and and things happen in the pasture that are not good, the shepherd is there with us as well. And sometimes we wonder: Is the shepherd there? Is he leading? Is he is he watching us? And and because the Lord is is trying to teach us that we need to trust Him, but this psalm is so wonderful because it assures us He is absolutely there, one hundred percent of the time. And the psalmist ends this by saying, "From this time forth and forevermore." Mm-hmm. So I think the emphasis of the continual care, the continual strong, uh, 
tending of the sheep, that he will never let anything get into them that he is not in control of, is something that you really take away from the psalm. Uh, and I think we need that message all the time, especially in a day uh, where, you know, we've got some guy running around Maine sh- shooting people and they, they're trying to find him. We've got wars going on, terrible things happening. We feel shaken all the time, but we'll never be moved out of place if we know the shepherd. And that's the kind of psalm I think we need to hold on to right now, uh, if, if, uh, especially as we, as we see this, um, uh, this idea in the psalm of his continual care and protection. Dr. Stikes, how can, can you take us into the life of the psalmist, and can, how can you take us into a transition point? And I'm speaking on behalf of myself. I need this, and I know everyone out there listening can identify with the need to go from the theological to the doxological, to go from the, you know, from theology to doxology, to go from orthodoxy to orthopraxy. Like this, this shepherd, like this is a person. This is God. He's, this is the great I am. This is a God who loves us deeply, who has revealed himself to us. Can you, can you, can you put some, some real practical, and some real devotional uh, connection here for us as we look at this and as we struggle? You know, it's just it's it's tough out there. It's rough out there. There's, there's someone whose marriage is hemorrhaging right now. There's someone who's battling with addiction. There's someone who, who's a pastor who's like, man, I just don't want to do it. I just want to jump into the corporate world. I'm tired of being beat up by 300 opinions every week. Can you take us into, (laughs) into this connection with a relationship with a God who loves us? That's a, that's a a great question. I, I think you have, when you look at Psalms, you have to remember that they're, they're all together. And in a Psalm like this, brings a reality to the fact that that God is there and he will protect and so forth. But then we have these questions, well, is this really true for me? And there are other psalms, I'm thinking of Psalm 13, for instance, where, and you know a lot of these, right, where the psalmist starts out saying, God, something is troubling me, and this is really bad, and he actually lays a complaint out before God. That's not grumbling, that's somebody who really trusts God, and he can lay the complaint out because he says, God, I thought you loved me. I thought you were going to protect me, but why is this going on? And as you read through the Psalms, and Psalm 13 is a great example, Psalm 17, Psalm 3, uh, there's so many of them. There is this realization that God is going to continue to do what he has promised to do, even if we're in a time where it seems like he's letting things get very shaky. Because God, at the end of the day, is not trying to give us you know, a perfect little life that we can write a book about and say, if you follow God and do all these things, your path is going to be excellent every time, the way you imagine it. Really what God's about is keeping us on our knees, keeping us trusting Him, because He knows that that is the only place that we are ever going to find true fulfillment is when we are clinging to him and trusting him. I I think God puts things in our lives that trouble us, that make us wonder what he's doing for the very purpose of leading us back to him so that we cling to him uh, as the shepherd. Mm -hmm. And I I think a lot of your listeners uh, have probably heard the little illustration of the the sheep uh, who's 
you know, has has a broken leg, and once the shepherd binds up that leg and carries the sheep around and, and feeds it and waters it because it can't walk on its own for a while, as soon as he sets that sheep down and the sheep is healed, that sheep stays right next to the shepherd because the sheep knows experientially uh, that the shepherd is, is loving and uh, the shepherd will take care of him. Mm. And I, I feel like if we just continue to cling to the Lord and say, God, I believe you, I don't understand you, I don't understand everything you're doing, but I don't have to understand God in order to trust God and to say, I know you are who you say you are. And as we keep doing that, our relationship with the Lord grows, and it should be stronger tomorrow than it is today if we continue to believe what the Word says. Hmm. Talking about shepherds, talking about sheep, talking about Psalm 121 with a man who has preached about it, written about it, who teaches seminarians at Bob Jones University, Dr. Greg Stikes. I I look at Isaiah 53, Dr. Stikes, and there's a little verse in there that none of us want to quote about ourselves, but we all know it's true. All we like sheep have gone astray. Can you talk about how we are dumb as sheep, but we're wandering away. We, we tend to not be running to God in our fallen nature. Uh, you know, we, we get into that a little bit. I mean, all of these, we've talked a lot about the shepherd, but g- give us some, give us a little, little, a little bit real quick here as before we get out of here on the sheep. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I, that, uh, that verse you're quoting from Isaiah 53 is so amazing because, uh, you know, we're wandering, running off here and there, and then at the end it says, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I think uh, when when Handel wrote the Messiah, if you can play that little piece in your head, all we like sheep have gone astray, it's very happy music, like the sheep are dancing everywhere and running everywhere. And then it comes to this very somber, slow, heavy chord where it says, and the Lord has laid on him all of our iniquity. Well, that shows his incredible love for those sheep. And there's nothing about us that is particularly lovely uh, and loving back to him. And yet, even though that's true, he died for us. And the love of the shepherd is uh, something we can't even really understand, that he would do that uh, for us, even though we are wandering off. So uh, even even shepherds, uh, you know, pastor shepherds are wandering sheep who are shepherded by a shepherd trying to shepherd other sheep and uh that's something that god has given us as just a wonderful picture of his love Mm, psalm 121 dr greg stikes thanks for hanging out with us today sir professor of new testament bob jones university and seminary check out bju.edu all the great stuff there and go sit under men of god like him when you want to take classes dr stikes you've been a blessing to all of us man how encouraging Well, thanks very much. I appreciate being here today. Hey, and does this not resound even louder when you hear the first, the break of the silence of the Old Testament with the words in John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God, you know, as John the Baptist introduced Christ, you know, to come. Now, I guess Jesus was both shepherd and lamb, lamb and dying for us and shepherd and leading us all at the same time, huh? That's right. Praise the Lord. Bless you. Look to Jesus. Let him be your shepherd. Follow him. 